Welcome to episode 93 of Cowboy Drive to Read the Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. I am. I'm doing pretty well. Good. I'm glad. We're also joined tonight by former site manager for Cowboys Drive for Free, and now just enjoying life outside of the realm of blogging and podcasting. Cade Webb, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, glad Oklahoma State finally got a conference win, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. It's uh, It's been a little bit of a rocky start, but um, I still find myself enjoying it for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I'll ask, I'll okay. go to you, Kate, real quick. You know, how are you enjoying life outside of the being the site manager and you're able to just kind of sit back and watch the game and not have to worry about writing too much about it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we talked a little bit off air and, you know, I still, I still like to keep in touch with you guys. So I don't feel like I fell off the face of the planet as much, but, you know, for some people it might. I, I do miss doing the podcast. Um, I will say that. I miss that. Um, I don't miss overanalyzing every detail of the game. Um, and as I mentioned to you guys, looking back on my time with Cowboys Ride for Free, I remember um, having a difficult time disconnecting the journalist and fan aspect of what I did. So um, it's been nice to not have to worry about that as much anymore. But uh, don't get me wrong, I do miss it. But um, no, I'm happy and my job is great and uh, live, living the life in OKC now. So things are good. But I'm happy to be talking with you guys. I've I was thinking last night when you texted me that I uh, I just missed the podcast, and so it's it's good to be uh, be on with you guys. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad we were able to get you on here because it's been a really long time. We've tried multiple times. You know, we want yeah. to have a guest, and every time it just hasn't worked out. So I'm glad we we're finally able to get you on after a few months. So it's good. Yeah, definitely, and, and thank you guys for having me. I uh, I do appreciate it, and, and looking forward to getting back in the saddle. Let's see if I can break the rust off a little bit. Absolutely, it means that they have to they get to listen to Philip and I less, so maybe people will actually enjoy that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe so. I guess we'll leave it up to them. Well, speaking of Philip, I guess we'll go to you first. We'll talk about the uh, Oklahoma State Texas game last night. Oklahoma State found a way to somehow manage to win a game, sixty one fifty eight, making only five shots in the second half. Uh, Philip, what were your, some of your thoughts on the game? I mean, uh, that was a game that they absolutely could not give away because there are going to be few opportunities for W's this season. You know, we, before we came on, Joel, you and I were running down the schedule, and there's not a lot of spots you look at and go, okay, that's a win. Okay, that's a win. Okay, that's a win. I mean, I, at at most – what did we find about six? Yeah, about six, seven, at most, and that's if they make it through the next six games, stretch three and three, which I think they can. And actually, to be honest, one of those isn't even a Big Twelve game; it's the SEC Challenge game. Um, so that was a win. Had they had they blown one of their best opportunities for a win, it would have been really rough because they got the the benefit of bad Texas showed up in the first half, good Oklahoma State showed showed up in the first half, and they did just enough down the stretch to eke out a nice close Texas win, which this is the third time they faced Texas and the, and the win has been one points and come down to the end of the game. And I mean, I think my final thing is just, I thought when football season ended, we'd be done with cardiac Cowboys, but it appears we are not. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that for the rest of the season. Yeah. The, the Cowboy, the cardiac Cowboys, I think just transcends all sports. I don't think that's just uh, completely associated with football. So, cause we saw it last season as well for basketball. So 
I know uh, I know I enjoyed myself a nice glass of whiskey after sitting in Gallagher watching that game and just stressing that one out whenever I could there was a palpable exhale uh when the uh final shot for uh for Texas didn't fall and they were able to get the three point win. And and there was also a giant one as well when Likely made the second free throw. So I mean at least they they knocked down their free throws down the stretch. They did just enough to win the game, but man, you're not gonna win many more ball games winning like that. But at this point in the way this team has played so far this season, you'll take what you can get. I found it really interesting after the game, uh, Boynton was asked about not fouling. You know, the general thought is that you should foul somebody so that they don't hit a three and you lose or tie the game. Um, and and Boynton talked about, you know, they knew that Texas wasn't a great three-point shooting team. They certainly weren't against OSU last night. They hit what? One, two? They hit two. Um, they weren't a great rebounding team. So – his his plan going going in was we know they're not a great three point shooting team we know they're not a great rebounding team we would rather see them have to try and take that shot um, than than give them free points at the line and I think it was a I think it was a bold and a smart move and it paid off for him absolutely Cade what was your watching experience like last night well my viewing experience uh, I was kind of pulling double duty a little bit I was cooking dinner. That is my life now. I come home, I work out, humble brag, uh, and then I cook dinner. Um, but sometimes that coincides with a basketball game. And so that's what it was like last night. So it was a little tough trying to look over my shoulder and watch the game. But it was about as stressful as I can remember. I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, and I was trying to figure out, like, do I stress out more over OSU football or is it basketball? And I think I've come to the realization that it's basketball. And I think it's because it's so fast. It happens so quickly. It can all turn on a dime. Uh, that was my viewing experience. I experienced a full range of emotions um, from, wow, we might actually be pretty good. We, how many games can we win in conference in the first half to, oh, my gosh, are we going to lose this one? And then how many games are we going to win in conference? So uh, definitely a stressful viewing experience, but um, any win's a good win. And, and OSU needs one really, really badly. Uh, especially considering how many close calls they had in conference play. I'm sorry, in non-conference play. And they even had two close games to open this uh, conference slate up. So um, it was really nice to see them kind of fight through it. And Joel, like you said, they only made four shots, five shots in the second half. It's hard to win many games doing that. And I don't envision, envision something like that happening throughout the rest of the season. So I think it was encouraging. And I think the people that... You know, want to look too deeply into the second half, I would encourage you to kind of back up a little bit. Texas is a solid defensive team, and um, they put the clamps on. And OSU's going to have trouble scoring all season, and um, that was the case. But a good win, and uh, yeah, I, I think they should feel good about themselves heading to West Virginia, who's been pretty weak to start the year. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, not only did they only make five shots in the second half, they only made two in the final 12 minutes and 42 seconds of the game. That's <laughs> just, man. And it wasn't and when you like, say, for the when you say that, it's like it felt like that, yeah. you know? Like, I, I, it felt like they didn't score forever, and it felt like it was just constantly, oh, my gosh, get a stop, got to get a stop, got to get a stop, and they just couldn't put the ball in the hoop. Um, yeah, tough to watch. Uh, one thing I will say that I, you know, did observe that I think other teams are probably going to learn from the Oklahoma State team, at least moving forward, is you can press them and they will turn the ball over, 
or at least they're going to have a very hard time getting across half court. Uh, Texas, right about probably halfway through the second half, decided to go to a full court press, zone press, and Oklahoma State had a really hard time getting the ball across half court and were making lazy passes, and they were getting turnovers, which led to buckets, especially right toward the end of the game when Texas really started to make a run and made it close. Oklahoma State has to get better in the full court offense, especially in that sense. Trying to dribble through a zone press doesn't work. You have to be able to pass through it. And when they did, they were able to break it pretty easily, but it was too inconsistent. And in, I think that's a way, especially if we're going to see that a lot this Saturday with West Virginia, they're going to press them. And if Oklahoma State consistently turns the ball over, that game can get ugly really, really quick. So I hope that's something that they are working on here in the next couple of days. Yeah, that's a great point, Joel. I, I think that a light was shed on a pretty big issue with, for Oklahoma State right now, and that's just ball handling in general. They, they've got two in Mike Weathers and Isaac Likely, but one of them's a true freshman, and the other one turns the ball over at the drop of a hat. And when you're facing a press like that, it's a real problem, and especially when your other option to bring the ball up is Lindy Waters, who – hasn't been able to bring the ball up in three seasons at Oklahoma State. Great player, but you don't <laughs> want to trust him with the ball yeah. in crunch time like that. And we saw it, and it was hard to trust Weathers. It was hard to trust uh, Lindy Waters and Cam McGriff. I mean, they all turned the ball over against that press. And so it does shed a, a bit of light on a key problem for OSU. And uh, it'll be really interesting. I think this West Virginia game comes at a pretty – Pretty weird time, especially after what we saw in the second half. Absolutely. Phil, I'll go to you now. Uh, what are some of your thoughts going into the game on Saturday, 11 a.m. Uh, at West Virginia? Uh, they're, have, they're the only team in the Big 12 that doesn't have a conference win yet, uh, but they've had a tough slate playing te- Texas Tech and then at Texas and then at K-State, even though they had a 15-point lead against K-State and found a way to lose. Uh, how do you see this game playing out on Saturday? Well, I, I hate that. I always prefer to play a team coming off a, a, a nice win, especially a, a not great team like West Virginia. West Virginia is just not very good this year. Um, I would have preferred they beat Kansas State because they would have been kind of riding high still off that win. Instead, they're coming in 0-3 in conference play, desperate for a win at home on a Saturday. I don't – look, I don't think West Virginia is very good. I actually think this is one of the better opportunities for Oklahoma State to get a road win if it's going to happen this year. But man, I'm terrified of them against the press. And you said it; they just they have a hard time bringing it up. And if if Lindu Waters is the one trying to, I'm just going to turn the TV off because it's going to be impossible to watch. Um, it they played the best defense I think they played in a while against Texas, especially in that first half. And when they are hitting threes. When Lindy Waters is hitting three, if Dizzy's hitting threes, and if Cam McGriff can hit them, or, or a third person can hit them, Oklahoma State's really dangerous. But when they hit those dry spells and they hit them every game and they can last a while, man, it's just I, – I I have a hard time seeing them go into Morgantown and winning on Saturday. I really do. I just I – don't, I don't think this team can handle the press at all, and I, and I just – They're just too inconsistent. They they are. They're just I don't I don't know. It's it's such a weird team to peg down. It really is because you see flashes of what this team can be, like the first half against Texas, and then you kind of see flashes of of what they really are right now. And that's a little. I don't think they're as bad as the second half of Texas was. I think they're somewhere in the middle of of the first and the second. 
Um, and it, it's just so inconsistent. Yeah, I, I just feel like this team, I mean, it's almost like, obviously, I think last year's team was obviously better, but it felt that way with last year's team too. We saw some games that they found ways to win that we felt like they had no chance winning and then lost games that felt like they were obvious wins. And we I kind of feel that way with this team as well to a you know, lesser extent just because the talent level isn't there yet. And this is a game that Oklahoma State can win, but right now I just don't see it, especially what I saw just against the Texas press. You know, Shaka Smart's a great defensive coach, and they, you know, they Texas found a way to fight back in the game once Oklahoma State struggled against the press. And Boynton had to take two timeouts just to get them out of their rhythm a little bit and get Oklahoma State acclimated to it. And you just can't do that too often. And then teams are just going to start figuring out. And even teams that normally don't press are going to start doing it to this team. And with the fact that West Virginia does it every single game, all the time, I just don't know if Oklahoma State's going to be able to handle it consistently. And because their dry spells are so, they happen so often and for so long, every game, I just don't know if Oklahoma State's going to be able to sustain enough half-court offense to keep themselves in this game. And I feel like this one could get out of hand pretty quickly. I don't think it will. I don't think West Virginia is good enough to be able to pull away, but it also wouldn't surprise me if West Virginia does pull away in this game and make it a pretty convincing win for them. So I'll jump in. I, I think I disagree uh, on, on both fronts. I, this is not the same West Virginia team that we're used to seeing. No Javon Carter and no Daxter Miles. Those two guys were so key to what they did in that press and on offense. Oklahoma State historically scores pretty well against West Virginia because they've been able to break the press. Now, if they can't break the press, I agree 100%. They are not going to win that game. But if they turn the ball over, I, I would even be willing to grant them like 12 to 15 turnovers and still have a really good shot at winning this game, mainly because I don't know what West Virginia is going to be able to do. They've got Lamont West and they've got uh, Derek Culver, both guys that can get a little bit of scoring. And they got Sagabar Kanate on the inside. But I still don't know how effective they're going to be. Those guys are a little bit longer and less athletic or less, less rangy, I should say, or hold on. They're more athletic, longer, but they're less fast than Javon Carter and Daxter Miles were. And so I wonder what their ability is going to be to create turnovers. They have had a very similar start to the season that OSU has. Um, and I, I, while this isn't a great matchup for Oklahoma State, if they're able to keep, keep possession of the ball, uh, I think they've got a really good shot. I mean, they've been turnover prone most of the season, so it's hard pressed to see them this week. Now, I say that, you know, after the the OU and the Iowa State game, they really put an emphasis on rebounding, which they hadn't been doing well, and and getting to the free throw line. Two things they did really well against Texas. So my thought would be Mike Boynton this these next few days is going to put a real emphasis on this team beating the press before they play West Virginia. I believe Mike Boynton is a good coach. I believe that when he he works to get the team better at something, you see improvement. Um, I think we've seen that in the players this, this year so far. I mean, obviously, it's a long way to go. But if it, with that, a, a an emphasis, a focus this week in practice, you know, I, I think they could look better against West Virginia against the press than they did against Texas just because they know what they're getting going against West Virginia, whereas Texas kind of threw that at them, especially in the second half. Yeah, totally agree with you, Philip. I agree. And now we're, we're also going to see now, because there were 
then now they're down a ball handler, and we haven't gotten talked about this since the last podcast, but with Mike Cunningham gone now, after only playing seven games this season, suspended for the last four, and then has decided to leave Oklahoma State, really it's now up to the quick development of Isaac Likely and the ability of Michael Weathers to not turn the ball over, and then hopefully Lindy Waters figures out how to dribble a basketball. And that's, you know, it's re- we're relying on them now. We don't, they don't have a senior presence and a senior point guard that can senior true senior point guard like a guy like Kendall Smith had last year to run this offense and to get everyone settled down so now we have to see what they can do against a good defensive team like like West Virginia well coached team like West Virginia is so I mean they haven't had Cunningham for the last four games I just I don't know how big of an impact this is going to be like he played seven games and he played well but he couldn't he couldn't pass likely on the on the depth chart and he hasn't played the last four games. I mean, they haven't played great in the last four games, but I'm not sure him playing. How much of an impact do you think he would have had? The last, like, would they have won some of the games they lost in the, the, the in the games they missed had he played? Probably not, but I think it would just at least added some depth where if Likely was struggling, then you could take him out of the game. You're not relying on a freshman to play 25, 30 minutes handling the ball consistently. Sure, sure. I do think Cunningham would have brought some scoring into both of those first conference losses. I, I, I have a hard time saying they would have beaten OU, but that game was right there for them. Um, they just couldn't score. They couldn't go get it. And Mike Cunningham showed some ability to create off the dribble. Um, but, you know, he's gone. Doesn't matter. Um, I was looking through West Virginia's schedule as you guys were talking. Their last six games, a 13-point loss at home to Rhode Island. A two-point win over Jacksonville State at home, a ten-point win over Lehigh, and three losses in a row to Texas Tech at home, a seven-point loss at Texas, and a two-point loss at Kansas State. I'm telling you, this it may not be a good matchup for Oklahoma State, but this is not the same West Virginia team. They are no. not that good. They are not very good, actually. I mean, they, they technically they are the same team as last year. They're just the same team without their two best players. <laughs> Those two guys did everything for them. Yeah, yeah, no. and they don't have them anymore. I mean, again, this is this is I think one of OSU's best chances. If they're going to nab a road win, this is going to be. It's not going to be easy in any way, shape, or form. I say best chance. That doesn't mean it's a good chance, but it is one of the the two better chances for OSU to get a road win this season. I think is this Saturday. Yep, I agree. I think they're going to hang around until the end, and they're going to need to find some scoring on the offensive side and. Uh, and see what can happen when when you don't turn the ball over. But um, like I said, if if they are turning the ball over and and Weathers is having a hard time bringing that ball up, then it could be a route. I agree. Yeah. All right. So now let's move on a little bit. Let's talk a little bit of football. Um, obviously, Philip and I went through a bunch of offensive coordinator possibilities, uh, and it looks like at least there were reports this morning that. Uh, Bodie Reeder, the offensive coordinator for Eastern Washington, had been uh, offered a position at Oklahoma State. It didn't specify what position. Everyone's kind of assumed it was probably a quarterback's coach or something to that of that nature. But then now conflicting reports have come out and sources close to Bodie Reeder have said that he has not accepted this position. So really, we're kind of back where we started at this point. But realistically, if Bodie Reeder is hired at Oklahoma State, I think it's great, especially if you compare him with Josh Henson. Uh, Philip, we'll go to you. What are your thoughts on what's kind of gone on here with the offense coordinator search? It's look, reports come out all the time that aren't real. It's just so odd to see 
A, Football Scoop came out and said that it was real because generally Football Scoop does a pretty good job of, of being accurate. Um, it's odd for them to come out with a report and then to have it denied in the way that it was. So my guess is that there's probably conversations going on, but nothing's official. Um, maybe Reader doesn't want to come since he told them he hadn't been offered something. I don't know. Um, if he is coming to Stillwater, I think that tells you that either Casey Dunn or Josh Henson or a combination of the two will be running the offense in Stillwater next season because that's why you would I, – I don't see Reader being the OC – but if you're going to have Henson or, or Dunn be OC in Stillwater, you have to bring in a quarterback coach, which is where Reader would fit. If Reader's coming in, I think I think it's an internal hire for OC. Cade, what do you think here? Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I think Reader would be coming in not to take over the play calling duties, but to be the quarterback's coach, help out with some of that offensive scheming but it would be Henson or Dunn and my money would be on Henson to take over the offensive coordinator position but I can't help but get it out of my mind that Todd Munkin might be a name that just it feels a little bit different than normal like I, I don't know if there's anything to it and I'm not saying I've heard anything or anything like that but it feels like with all the jobs in the NFL that have opened and closed without a higher uh, for Todd Munkin, you got to start wondering what he's going to do because he's not going to stick around Tampa Bay. They're going to bring in a new staff. There's jobs that are closing every day in the NFL and his options get limited. Would Mike Gundy do it? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. But if he would, and Todd Munkin's looking for a job, those two guys are pretty close and they probably got along as, as good as any coordinator has got along with Mike Gundy. Um, I would not discount that. Um, now I'm not betting on it, but I wouldn't discount it. If that doesn't happen, my second best option, in my opinion, would be Bodie Reader step in as a quarterback coach, um, and then promote Josh Henson to offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. what's going to uh, end up happening, more than likely at least. Yeah, I just yeah. have a I've had a hard time seeing Monken come back to college. Just you had your vet, you, you were in Southern Miss as a head coach for three years. You had your best year at, at season in year three, and it felt like he was one more good season at Southern Miss away from a Power Five job. And he left to not even call plays as a co-offensive coordinator in the NFL. I just, I kind of wonder how much he really wants to be in college football and how much he wants to be in the NFL. Because I mean, look, there's still stats to be put together in the NFL. There's no reason to think he can't be. Shoot, how, how much would you love to see him as the OC for Cliff in in Arizona? Uh, well, I would more love to see him be the OC for my Dallas Cowboys. And it sounds like Jake Spavital is going to be the offensive coordinator for Cliff, which is really interesting. And a bad move on Cliff's part. No, I love it. That would be interesting. Can't make, you can't make college work in the NFL. He needs college guys more, at least on the defensive side, hopefully. Yeah, no, I think so. And I, you know, Philip, you make some really good points about why Munkin would even consider coming back. And like I said, I, I don't know and don't know if he would, but um, it seems like it would be a better fit than it was when old Mikey Y came in. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't think there's going to be a bad move made. And I was talking to somebody about this on Twitter today, but I feel like Mike Gundy probably deserves a little bit of slack and a little bit of credit for what he's done so far. Like, was Mike Yersich a fan favorite? No. Was he a sexy hire? Absolutely not. But he worked out, right? Like, we can all agree, looking back on it, 
there were some frustrating times, but those offenses put up points, they put up stats, and it worked out. So shouldn't Gundy, if he decided to hire uh, Bodie Reader as the offensive coordinator, which I don't think would happen, shouldn't he deserve a little bit of credit and a little bit of slack for making that decision? I saw some people, some local radio personalities blowing up about it. It was just like, okay, like let's take a step back for a second. Every coordinator, every offensive coordinator that Mike Gundy has hired has worked out. So why would this one, if Gundy were to take a chance on a young guy like Bodie Reader, why would we think that wouldn't work out? I, I think people have just reached the point where they're going to complain about any move Gundy makes if it's not one that they think is sexy. If it's not a big name OC who's going to come in for you, if he doesn't hire a Dana Holgerson like person, people yeah. are just going to be unhappy. Period. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't care about winning. He doesn't care. He's mailed it in. I saw all of yeah. that today, and it's like <laughs> the funny thing is it wasn't even an accurate report for all we know. Right. That was really funny, but. I just feel no one like said he was the OC. He just said yeah. a position. Yeah, and people just freaked out. I I just think he deserves a little bit more credit than that. But I that's I the fan coming out in me. No, I believe no. You're accurate. Every OC you're hire he's made has been right. good. I don't I don't want to hear about Yursich. Like Yursich was a good hire. Now there have been some coaches that haven't worked out, especially on the offensive line. But Gundy yeah. has nailed it with OC every single time. Yep, hundred percent. There's no reason to think any different there. I'm interested to see what if there are any accurate reports come out in the next couple of days with this. Um, I like I said, I think Reader and Henson would be a great combination. If nothing else, then if Henson decides to go elsewhere, if you know he starts to do well, then you can elevate Reader and he'll be a great offensive coordinator. So either way, I feel like this is going to work out in favor of Oklahoma State, and it's going to end up being a good hire once again uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it, totally it also agree. wouldn't surprise me if if. Whoever gets hired is someone we're not talking about at all, just like Mike, Mikey White. Like, that also, <laughs> at this I, point, I, I don't put, put anything Gundy. past Gundy. I wouldn't put anything past Gundy in this sense at all. Like, I'll yeah. show all of you. I'm taking, I'm taking some offensive coordinator from high school. <laughs> now, I'm sitting here saying Gundy deserves a little bit of slack and credit, but if he goes out and hires the offensive coordinator from William Jewell University, I will flip out. So don't get that twisted. I think we've got to the point where hey. you could take a chance on a guy like Bodie Reader, and I think it'll probably work out, but there's no reason to go back into the Shippensburg well, I don't think. You can go get Rashawn Woods. He's doing well as a high school football coach right now. Go get Rashawn. Azopogi can come be as a quarterback coach, which is OC there. You know, that there you go. There you go. Yeah. Oso's doing pretty good at Mustang now, isn't he? I'm pretty sure. He's coaching over there. Is that where they are? Yeah, I think he's I coaching at he Mustang High. I, I think Pogai's the new head coach at Mustang. Yeah, because my wife teaches in the Mustang School District, and I'm pretty sure he's the head coach there. There we go. There we go. Right. Breaking news. <laughs> Any final <laughs> thoughts from you guys here? Philip, why don't you go? I'll, I'll get my thoughts together. Ooh. Uh, final thoughts. <sighs> Don't hate so much on Cliff to the Cardinals. Like, I, let me let me preface this by saying it's not that I I think it's guaranteed to work. It might not work. But every college football fan I've seen on social media is so set on this is the dumbest thing you've ever seen because he couldn't win at Texas Tech. The NFL and college football are two completely different animals. We're talking apples to potatoes, okay? It's it's really not the same at all. 
what was required to be a successful college coach is not necessarily the same as what's required to be a successful NFL coach. We've seen guys who are successful in college all the time, Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, go to the NFL and it not work out. We've seen guys who are good in the NFL, um, Lovey Smith, come to college and it, and it doesn't work out. Just because it doesn't work out in one place doesn't mean it won't work out the other. The NFL is all about X's and O's, and it's just about football. It's not about recruiting. It's not about glad handing and shaking hands and dealing with boosters and worrying about fans. It is football. And Cliff knows offense. The guy is a really, really good offensive mind. He's been really good at developing quarterbacks. So there are plenty of reasons to think he can go to Carol- go to Arizona Make Josh Rosen a good NFL quarterback. If he gets the right staff there, it can work. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to. I'm not saying he's not going to fail. I'm just not as 100% positive that it's going to be a complete failure as everyone else seems to be. Yeah, uh, Philip, my final thought was kind of right in that vein. I, I was sitting there thinking today as Matt Rule's name was getting floated out there for the Jets job, like, I, I know that the kind of high-powered, uh, aired-out offense is kind of taking over the NFL right now with Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff lighting it up. But isn't it kind of strange to see all these Big 12 coaches get their name thrown around for these jobs, especially when we – like as a <laughs> college football society, the Big 12 is constantly looked down on uh, for being an off-brand of football, if you want to call it. Uh, that it's just not the same as the SEC and Big Ten. It's kind of funny that we're looking at this now with we're playing the game with SEC and Big Ten personnel, and we really, really love the way the Big 12 runs their offenses. So let's go see if we can get a coach from there. I think that's so funny, and it's just kind of an odd thing. I thought Matt Rule would have been a head-scratcher of a hire for – uh, New York mainly because he hasn't done all that much at Baylor yet. I And I, I mean that with all due respect. He's just been there for two years. Um, but it is funny to see um, everybody kind of foaming at the mouth for a uh, high-powered offensive-minded coach. I mean, it seemed to work in the NFL now with the way the rules are and the, how offensive-minded the game is becoming. I mean, you there's – there's room for it. And I think Kingsbury, I'm interested to see what happens there. Obviously he's a great quarterbacks coach and think about all the guys he had at tech and Josh Rosen was the worst quarterback in the NFL this year by QBR yards per attempt and yards per game. And I think TD interception ratio. So if he can turn that around that, I think, you know, it's going to be a success at least for in the short term for the Cardinals. Yeah, that's a big, yeah, if I, I was talking to my brother and uh, he had mentioned that he saw somewhere that Josh Rosen was thrilled with the hire, which would be a bit of a, uh, a bit of an odd thing. In my opinion, I, I feel like Cliff and Josh Rosen would be a really good combo, especially if they're going to try to air it out and uh, put Arizona back in, in good shape. All right. Well, I guess my final thought is that my drink is empty. So I guess that means it's time to wrap this one up. Uh, Cade, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? <laughs> oh, my Twitter handle now is at CWeb underscore OSU. I went full dad mode and put OSU at the end of my uh, Twitter handle. Someone Couldn't figure me. out what. I had to take CRFF out. Don't know what to put there. But yeah, you can follow me at CWeb underscore OSU now. All right. Philip, what about you? Uh, as always, OKTXAR Poke. It's Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. Uh, you can also follow my show, the 1012 Podcast. That's now at EN, the number 12, the word podcast. 
Follow me at JT Penfield. Follow my uh, other podcast, if you're a Royals fan, at Royals Farm Report. And uh, you can follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And we'll be back on Monday with the wrap-up for West Virginia. And hopefully we'll have an offensive coordinator to talk about. Uh, We will see everyone then. Have a good one, everybody.